the Parkrun Adventurers. My name's not Scotty, it's Mel. His name is Scotty. Say hi, Scotty. Yes, it is. Hi, Scotty. And hi, Mel. <laughs> and I'm excited to be here this week, as always. Did you have any adventures on the weekend? I can tell your excitement levels are up this week. That makes me excited. It is. <laughs> Lots of cool stuff to talk about. Yeah. did I, I did have an adventure. I went on an adventure. Went down to Phillip Island on the weekend. Ah, that's on my must-do list. Look, it's, I'm hoping it's, to get there, you know. It's nudging my top three. It's a really, really pretty, gentle, not tough, really good park run. Small, and it's on there's, – there's Phillip Island and then there's Churchill Island, which is right next to Phillip Island. The park run is on Churchill Island. Okay. I think we may have talked about this before. Yeah, because I have been there before. This is my second visit there. And so Churchill Island is – they've got a little farm there. They've got a nice cafe. It's like set up for the perfect park run, except for it's not on Phillip Island. It's on Churchill Island, which is on Phillip Island, apparently. Not confusing at all. <laughs> no. But But being on islands, you know, they're right near the sea and the ocean and stuff, presumably, yes? Yes, yep. So you run all the way around the island. So the you're next to the water the whole way. Which you'd be used to, so you'd be at home there. Yes. Did did you see any pirates? Ooh. I wasn't looking out for them. Um so I'd have to say no. Pretty confident no on that. Okay. Should I have Because I think pirates are gonna be a thing now. And let me tell you why. <laughs> Please do. So <laughs> I was having a conversation uh, with a West Australian very recently who has come up with a new club, a new club for adventurers. And he was actually, I don't know if he came up with the club when he was at an airport or that was just when he was remembering to tell me about it. At any rate, there may have been alcohol involved when he thought of the club, but it's a pretty cool club. It's called the Parkrun Pirates. And, and guess what you have to do? To get into this club, you have to steal something from one park run and take it to the other. <laughs> no, though that could mean all sorts of trouble for tokens moving around the country. Mm. Mind you, adventurers—you know—they they, they kind of like having their adventures recorded. I imagine so. Perhaps that wouldn't happen. No. no wouldn't do happen. you want to have another guess, or do you just want um, to tell you? No, no, no. You have to go. Dressed in an oversized hat and eye patch. No, though that would be welcome also. Think think more about adventurers and how you have to get into all the other clubs. You know, you need to go on adventures to be a pirate. Okay. For, for the sake of the listener's boredom, just tell me the answer. <laughs> okay. So it is a club for everyone who has run all the seas. So all the park runs beginning with sea. What's the connection? What's the sea connection to pirates? You you oh. you've missed the, you've yeah, missed no, the connection. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> I had to say it to get it. To be honest, I missed the connection to begin with as well. And I said, all the C's? 
don't you mean all the R's? And um, and then <laughs> at that point he said, okay, yes, both. So you actually have to have run all the park runs begin with C and all the park runs begin with R. And you can choose to be an international pirate, though I think that could be quite a long list to get around, but I'm pretty sure it's a little bit more manageable if you just become an Australian pirate. So how cool is that? Have we done a quick calculation on how many events that is at the moment? In Australia only. We're just talking Australia. We have not, however. No, because he was in do... a drunken state. Is that part of the reason why? <laughs> well, I think because he is in Western Australia and they have a lot of seas, um, park runs begin with C over there. That may have been where it originated in his brain. Um, but we do have Mr. Ian Hay from Facts in Haystack on the show next week, and that is one of the questions that I've put to him. How many do you have to be in? Um, how many events do you have to have done? And are there any pirates that we don't know about in Australia yet? So we'll find out the answers to those questions next week. Can't wait already. Yeah. See, I'm I'm not on top of this alphabet touring thing, but ask me to be a pirate and, damn it, I'm going to join that club. <laughs> I'm going to track down all those seas if it means spending six months in Western Australia. It's going to happen. Hey, I saw some exciting news during the week. After chatting to Bronwyn last week and doing a bit of research, as I do thoroughly throughout the week, I noticed that um, <laughs> Parkrun's coming to Norway. Did you hear that? How exciting is that? Are they going to be there in time for her trip? Well, I don't think a date has been set just yet. Okay. But, but that it's is coming. still very exciting. You've got to love it when a new country comes on board with a park run. It's just, you know, more expensive flights that have to be factored into the budget somewhere in the future. That would be another Scandinavian adventure we could go on. You could spend a couple of months just touring around the really cold part of the world. We should we should get an adventure tour bus to do Scandinavia. Well, that was on a, that was on our list, wasn't it? Yeah, the well, so we've, to us. Yeah, we've already got South Africa's most likely going to be our first one. We should do a Scandinavian one afterwards. Well, let's just scale it back a bit, Mel. I think maybe you know, country Victoria might be our first one. <laughs> You've got to think big, Scotty. You've got to think big. Straight to South Africa or Scandinavia. We'll see where it goes. Why not? And speaking of international adventures, I got the inside word from a birdie overseas that there was a word that we used in the podcast recently with a recent guest, which is fairly colloquial Aussie. And we wouldn't classify it as particularly rude, but they were a little bit shocked that we didn't bleep it out. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, Do iTunes you know didn't we're... come after us with our clean rating, so I think <laughs> we're still safe. It mustn't be naughty in America, only in England. Oh, we've offended the English, have we? We have. We're just going to have to be careful not to say <laughs> in the future. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because it's very offensive. Didn't no, we but really? we went. <laughs> and I left it in because it is a little you... bit rude. <laughs> we never offend people intentionally, so we'll just have to remember to bleep it out if it comes up again in future. Okay. Or just don't call anyone from the UK a complete. I, I don't think they mind who is being called it. I think it's more the fact that somebody is being called it. A. <laughs> 
you're going to do a lot of bleeping this week, Scotty. I might. <laughs> Get to choose the word I'm going to bleep out. Vote at the end of this episode. Well, if they're voting at the end of the episode, isn't it too late to bleep it out the word? Late. Okay, I'm just going to have to go back and bleep out all those b****s. <laughs> I'll tell you who's not a Our next guest. Shall we get to them? Yes. For the third week in a row, we're venturing over to WA and catching up with Cassie Hughes, who's been busy launching a new event in WA. Welcome to the podcast, Cassie. Thank you so much, Scott. Hello, Mel. Thanks for having me on. Now, we know that you launched a new event at Kalia on the weekend. Not everybody does. We'll get to that. But how did the launch actually go? It actually went so well and so smoothly. It was probably one of the best launches in WA we've had for a while. Not that they're all not fantastic, of course, but it was just beautiful. 121 people. Everyone had a ball. It was just fantastic. It went so smoothly. It was lovely. Now... I'm going to be a bit controversial here. One is one of the reasons it went so smoothly is because it was not advertised. Many people did not know about the launch in Kalia on the weekend. Well, we did only have 121 people, which was a nice number to work with, so maybe that did have something to do with it. But you'd be surprised. We might not advertise them, but word of mouth in Perth is a pretty, pretty big thing, and um, it always seems to get around. We have the, the park run post. Everything gets around. People knew. 121, that's a pretty tidy number. That's, that's more than a lot of events get just on a weekly basis. What do you think the proportion of park run adventurers to local runners will be or was on the day? I would probably say about 50%, to be honest. I think Kalia is going to have a fabulous group of around 60 to 70 normal everyday runners who will eventually make it their home park run. We were, um, I think our numbers were boosted a little because we have Champion Lakes Park Run and they were actually unfortunately closed down for the weekend because um, the city of Armidale were running a duathlon or a triathlon there, which they do sometimes, which means we have to shut that one down. So we had a lot of visitors from Champion Lakes. And Kalia is one of the events in a Stockland estate, am I correct? You certainly are. Stockland are doing a whole new estate out there, all new buildings. All it's, It looks beautiful and it's going to be fabulous once it's finished. And they actually approached us. I remember this one. I actually had a look at where they were going to put the course. Um, when I was over there for the Bunbury Three Waters last year and they took us in a um, ute and drove us around all the piles of dirt and said this is where we're going to put this and this is where we're going to put that and they actually, it was really nice, asked for Parkrun's input before they did all that. Not a lot of um, people that are involved in building residential developments actually go to that effort. We're very lucky with Stockland, aren't we? We are. They've been fantastic. Um, I have to admit, I came in after like midway with this one, uh, Jeremy Savage was the TD originally for this particular um, course, and so he had much more to do with this than I did, and I sort of come in on the end of it. But Scotlands, have, they've delivered exactly what they said they were going to deliver, and it's a fabulous park run. And once they give it a couple of years, when all the, the foliage and all of the trees and greenery that they've put in really grows up, it's just going to be beautiful. 
Cassie, can you tell us how you got into Parkrun in the first place? Sure. Um, I have been running in, I first found Parkrun in 2013. Um, my son at the time um, was going through a bit of trouble, you know, normal teenage things, I think, and he was diagnosed with chronic depression and um, having a bit of a rough trot. But, you know, we went to seek help and he was seeing somebody who suggested that he should, that she found that after talking with him that exercise was a great thing to get him in the right mood and get his serotonin going and, and give him the good feels that he needed. So she suggested that he take up running. So being the fabulous mother that I am, of course, I um, found Park Run and thought we'd give it a go, get him out there running. And I just went along as a bit of a support, really. And um, so, yeah, that was about August 2013, and we have not looked back since. We have probably only missed about six park runs in total since then. Uh, Connor's now done 150-odd runs. I'm on about a, nearly 140. And uh, it has absolutely changed everything. We, it helped Connor. It's helped his confidence. It's helped with everything. It's helped. It's amazing. I honestly credit Parkrun with um, helping almost save his life. It's fabulous and I highly recommend anyone to get involved. I've never met such a more supportive and fabulous bunch of people. Was it the physical exercise or was it the social connections that helped your son, Connor? It started as the physical exercise, but then I think it's grown into more than that. And now um, to the point where he's even going to start run directing soon, which I think is fabulous. I never thought I would see that. Um, but not just that, it's, it's built up the friendships that have been made out of Park Run and just everything about it. It is honestly the best thing that's ever happened and I'm almost sad that we didn't find it sooner, but I'm so glad that we did. And what's your current home event? Um, now, there's a question. <laughs> I don't... Mm, because I know something. I've done a little bit of research. Think... Have you come up with the name <laughs> Park Tarting? <laughs> Maybe. I'm not sure if I have coined the phrase, but I'd like to think that I might have had something to do with that. Yes. Um, I've decided I I like to park tart, um, and I like to do a different park run most weeks. Yeah, I kind of like the name Park Tart, actually. <laughs> we can go with it. I haven't heard it before, so I like it. You can be a park tart. <laughs> but where did you get started? I started, um, the first one we found was Claypool Cove because I believe when we first started in 2013, there was only a couple of park runs in WA. Um, the way it's grown since 2013 is incredible. And now we we just opened, Kalia was our 22nd event. And uh, so... Yeah, we started at Claysbrook and we ran there exclusively for probably about 18 months until we decided to start park tarting. So you take your whole family with you when you park tart? I have tried to convince the whole family. Um, my husband is um, not much of a runner, uh, so he's quite happy to just leave me be and, and do my thing. I think it's the dressing up that scares him. Um, my youngest son... Um, He's more into basketball, so he doesn't run. So it's, it seems to be a thing that's just between myself and my older son, Connor. And um, so the two of us, we just travel. Uh, last weekend, we actually got up at 3.30 in the morning and drove 
three and a half hours to Manjimup Parkrun just to do parkrun and then we had lunch and drove home. Nice. So a park tart on an adventure. Does Connor <laughs> consider himself to be a park tart too or is there a more masculine term for it for him? We did. We have put that into consideration but we haven't come up with anything yet. So at the moment he is simply a park tart, yes. <laughs> so if anyone can think of I'm a name, of please let us know. <laughs> now, you, you let slip the C word before, costumes. Mm. Does Connor get involved with the costumes as well? Not as much as I do, but surprisingly he has done. He's done some fabulous Halloween costumes and um, he has done a lot of the, the Superman, you know, and um, heroes, cops and robbers, that kind of stuff. He's done that, but he does usually leave most of that to me. And I understand that you are a West Coast dirty cheater. I didn't even know there were any over there. I honestly, I think I'm the only one. Wow, that's impressive. I, I can't, I'm known now for wearing my cheater ears. I think that's how people recognise me. If I don't have them on, they don't know it's me. <laughs> so I am a Zoolander as well. So I wear, I sort of wear both hats. But I, I love the cheetahs and I love Dorota and Mary and, and Paul over there. Um, so I, I like to think that every time I run, I have a little bit of the dirty cheetahs over there with me. Well, Zoolanders are all about the fashion. So we're okay with people trying on different costumes and getting out there. The ears go really well with the, the Z as well. In the photos? Fabulous. And I'm a redhead. They mix with my hair beautifully. You can't tell where the ears start and the hair ends. I think I'm the only member of the Melbourne chapter of the Dirty Cheaters as well. I don't get in around any ears much. Oh, we will have to change that, Scott. <laughs> I can send you some ears. Oh, don't worry. I've got some. My daughter's got some <laughs> that I can wear. Uh, I just don't think it looks as good on me as perhaps it does on you. Maybe it's the red hair. I, I think I'll have to see that to make my own opinion. I think next photo you should make sure you're wearing the ears. That can be done. Of all the park runs that you've travelled to around WA, have you got an infamous top three to share with us? Oh, do you know, I had this conversation with someone earlier and his response was, um, you can't have a favourite because then you have to have a worse. But I disagree with that because I don't not like any of them. I love them all. But I Cassie, do have Cassie. top three. I'm happy to start with your bottom three, if you want to start there. I don't, <laughs> I don't have a bottom three, no. No, I do have a couple of favourites and my absolute top favourite, and Maddie will love me for this, is Geograph Bay Parkrun. I love going down to Bustleton. I think the beach there is beautiful and I just love Geograph Bay. is just a lovely spot. Out and back along the beach, what more could you want? And the Goose does a great coffee afterwards. So it's a fantastic spot. My number two would probably have to be Kalgoorlie Boulder, mainly because it is such a gorgeous course and you're running through the bush and you run up this little bit of a hill and when you're at the top of the hill, you can see all the other runners. Just You can't see the path. You can just see runners peering out from bushes as they run a little bit of the course. And it's just fantastic. And they run it so well up there. Alison and Grant do such a great job. And, again, great coffee at the end, always a bonus. And I think my third would have to probably be Mount Clarence down in Albany. 
not sure if I would recommend the hills to anyone or as Bill likes to call them, gentle inclines, but the view is spectacular. You can stop at the top if you want to and whales will just appear out of nowhere when you're in the water. It's beautiful and the downhill at the end gives the best, fastest um, last kilometre ever. Cassie, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast this week. It's always lovely to speak to a fellow costumer and it's been delightful learning about park tarts. I might have to start referring to myself as that when I go on adventures. It is the best. I plan to, I'm actually off to Singapore next week to park tart to both Singapore park runs. Cannot wait. I'm going to take my ears, take my Zoolander, show them how it's done. If you've ever classified yourself as being a bit of a couch potato or you've had one of those weekends where you're regretting too much takeaway and need to get moving, then you might be interested to hear from our next guest. George has turned his life around from being one of those people to being a multi-marathon runner. Welcome to the podcast, George. Hi, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Can you Tell us a little bit about how it all started for you when you you decided basically to be a runner. Yeah, so it, my story starts as being very active um, in my school years. I was on the football team, on the rugby team, on the tennis team. And when I got into my mid-20s, um, my activity level dropped dramatically. I was doing no exercise whatsoever. And my eating habits were dreadful. I was not looking after myself. I was eating whatever and whenever I felt like. And I ballooned up to 18 and a half stone. That's about 110 kilos for metric users. Um, and it, one day it was just waking up and sort of catching a glimpse in the mirror and thinking, oh, how did that happen? Oh, no, that's, um, that's pretty – I'm not looking my best anymore. So I guess I just started counting calories, dieting a little bit, and running was never a passion. In fact, it was just, oh, man, I can't eat very much while I'm dieting. If I go for a jog, though, I might be able to have a little bit more. So that's where running started <laughs> for me was just I'm sick of eating broccoli. If I go for a jog, I can have a little bit of chocolate if I'm good. Um, so it was about six months of dieting and losing weight and slogging out the miles and not really doing much basically running loops around the gardens and the fields near home in case well in case i ran out of breath and needed to walk back home and have a sit down but eventually my dad who's been a park runner for a few years said look go stop just slogging them out by yourself stop putting your music in as loud as possible and trying to block everything out go and run with other people and it was at that point that he suggested I go to my nearest park run of which there's there's about five within walking distance of home um, and that was it I was hooked at that point I was chatting to other people after six months or so of going to park when I joined a local running club and then I've never looked back since and I'm I'm running almost every day park run every week and really enjoy my running really and I think that's the key for me that's that the change in lifestyles came from finding a hobby that I really enjoy and I'm really passionate about. So I guess, yeah, I think that's that's the, the synopsis of my background. 
George, can I take you back to the very first run when you decided to start running? Do you still remember that and what it felt like? Oh, totally. It was torture. I um, so outside of my front door, there's a there's a school field, um, and there's a path that's about an 800 meter loop, and I did that three times. And I remember the third loop just bent over like completely out of breath, like that in the wrong shoes, in a pair of badminton shoes, and it was just torturous. And I thought, God, how do people think about doing that for fun? But on reflection. I ran that as hard as I possibly could off no training, just just for the simple fact that I knew that it would burn calories up. Um, and I think that's something that I've learned and it's something I try to convey to people now is that running doesn't have to be hard all the time. Just relax, chill out, enjoy it. And it was just certainly a month's worth of doing that type of running is not something I'll ever do again. <laughs> really killing yourself at every run just for the sake of eating a couple of bars of chocolate. And then, can I take you back to your very first park run? Do you remember rocking up for the first time? Were you scared? Were you worried? So I, um, I messaged the people on Facebook beforehand because I wasn't sure about what to do. So I made sure that I got every little bit of detail that I could. So I was told to show up at 8.45 and wait for the briefing. I drove. It's a mile away. I drove there because I was too scared that I wouldn't be able to get home afterwards. <laughs> so I rocked up at 8.45. It was August the 24th, 2014. Um, and I just hung around in the quiet, just not really chatting to anybody, waited for the running briefing. Now, fortunately, my local park run, um, the director has quite a loud voice and made sure that everybody was listening. And I got all the information I needed at the, at the briefing. But then I turned my headphones on, put my music on loud. I didn't talk to anybody. I just ran around and suffered my way to get around the 5K. But at the end, people were shaking my hand. People were having a chat. People were suggesting they go for coffee. I was like, oh, no, the meter's running out in the car. And people were like, you drove here? So, oh, yes, I shouldn't have drove here. I realize that now. Um, but it was just the, the, the acceptance at the end of it that I really remember. And that's what made me... You know, to start with, it was maybe every couple of weeks that I started going back. But now it's every single week that I'm there. And it's not because I want to rack up the 100. I want to rack up towards my 250 park. And it's not because I want to get the next volunteer T-shirt. It's because it's that community afterwards. And that's what I really take away from my first park run. And that's what I, I, I'll shout from the rooftops all about is that that's the main thing. It's not about, it's not for runners. It's for the people in the community. So, George, you say um, after your first one, obviously, you know, you'd driven there. Did you change between that one and the next one that you went to in that you walked to it? Or did you still keep driving for a little while? It took a little while until I was confident that I could get, I could run the 2K home. Um, I mean, we've, we've got a car park and we've got plenty parking, but it, it did feel ridiculous that it was it was a mile and a bit away and, and not not to jog down. But um, we're lucky. In, so I live in Sheffield in the UK and we're lucky that we've got oh, six park runs within sort of five miles of where I live. Um, so we're very park run dense and it means that we can, as a park running community, be quite um, 
emissions conscious there's there's never really a reason to drive to a park run if you want to go to your nearest one there might be reasons that you want to go to one further afield and that's fine but as a community we're quite good at not having a huge environmental impact which you know as we get more as park run becomes bigger and it becomes more a part of public day-to-day life i think that's something important to bear in mind and yes now now i make sure that Whatever I do, I walk, jog, or cycle to the start line, often with the dog on a harness. The dog likes to do a park run. Um, and then we'll just, but now, because we know the community, we'll go for a coffee afterwards, have plenty of time to warm down, and then maybe just have a walk home. You're living the dream, having so many events so close to where you live. I, I can only imagine what that must be like. My closest is 15-minute drive away. Um, which is, I think, roughly about 10 kilometres as well. So technically I could run there, but the road access might be a little bit tricky. Not to mention how early I'd have to get up. Oh, well, yeah, there's also that. (laughs) No, I think think in the UK being – I mean, it was – Paul Sitton Hewitt set it up here and it's probably probably had more time to grow, but because as a country we do have quite high – population density i mean sheffield's a, a small city but we've got maybe 300 400,000 residents so it, it's quite population dense so it makes sense that parklands can pop up within local vicinity i mean whenever i visit my in-laws i'm just flabbergasted there's the parklands in london there's almost one every other street it's crazy that you sort of think right where do we fancy today when we're down it's it's um it's quite a nice problem to have what about your running now George, we've, we've learnt about how you started park running, but now you're a really fast runner and you run lots of marathons. <laughs> That's quite a transformation in such a short time. How did you do that? How did you go from just becoming a running runner to becoming a really fast runner? <laughs> well, I, I, I don't know if I class myself as really fast. I, I appreciate it. I'll, I'll take it as a compliment. Um, I think it started finding that. Um, that I wanted to improve my parkrun time. Initially, it was before I'd certainly before I joined a running club. It was how do I get faster? Well, running's not running. Getting better at running isn't complicated. If you want to run faster, generally you need to run a bit more. So I just uh, month on month sort of started to up my mileage. As the weight dropped off, that became easier, um, and I focused on just enjoying it. So hitting up the woods, hitting up the trails and at any time I could, for the most part, taking it easy, just getting those, building up that sort of mileage under my belt so that when I wanted to maybe look at training for something more specific and I needed to do sessions or intervals or whatever, um, I had that sort of base of fitness. So it started off with just upping my mileage over time and then finding that <laughs> I like pushing myself and I like entering races, and it's something that I want to try and be the best that I can be, and that was running, and it sort of gave me focus and drive. So I spent 2015 training for a half marathon, um, the Great North Run, which is possibly the most famous half in the UK. Um, I entered that on a whim, got a place, trained for it, ran, I think, 126... So that was my first half. So I mean, I mean that, yes, as a first half, it was pretty quick, but I had quite a lot of training leading up to that. Um, 
and now I'm part of a running club, so we have we have um, group runs almost every day of the week. So I tend to spend quite a lot of time with other um, like-minded runners in the area, and that certainly gives me motivation to keep going. Um, the the marathon training can be arduous. It's certainly something that's a big task to take on when you're maybe running lots of miles every week, week after week for a long time, trying to get ready for the 26 miles. But I think running with other people where possible certainly makes it easier, makes it more enjoyable, makes it more fun. And yeah, so that's that's kind of where I am now. So generally a week for me will look some. Uh, I'm possibly an exception rather than a rule. I, I run every day and I know that that works for me. So it's not something I'd maybe suggest for everybody. But for me, I tend to run easies on Mondays. I'll do something like a track session on a Tuesday. I'll do something easy but a bit longer today. So I've had my breakfast and I'll head out later. Um, Thursdays, again, will be something easy. Fridays will be something either hardish or easy, depending on what I'm going to do at park run park run will be something easy or or i'll take it hard and then sunday will be a long run so that's roughly what my week looks like um but i guess it's about finding what works for you um if running works running every day works for you great if you need more rest than that take it but having a focus point i think helps and that's what the marathon does for me you talked about running with other people, you know, that helps motivate you and you're quite the good volunteer, which is awesome to see. You contribute to your local park runs. One volunteer role you've taken on relatively recently is as a VI guide. How did you get into that? Yeah, so at my local park run, Hillsborough Park Run in Sheffield, um, Anthony is a keen runner and he is visually impaired. So it's one of our regular volunteering roles. It's been go- he's been coming for slightly longer than I have, so he must be on for about three years or so. Um, so just like any post, we, we uh, our run director will request somebody runs with Anthony, and he's quite quick. He has to, he runs between twenty and twenty four, depending on the day. Um, but I think people are put off by by volunteering for that role because it seems a bit daunting um, being in charge of a blind person and trying not to kill them running around parkrun, especially <laughs> that it's, you know, it's three laps. So on the third lap, you're having to maybe do some overtaking of some of the slower runners. So when you've got a blind guy on your arm, you need to be careful. You're not bashing him into people. Um, but he, he's, he's great. He's, he's a really good runner, a really keen runner as well. He really wants to improve. And it's something that, um, for a lot of us, there's a core of us now that do tend to take Anthony every week. Um, we're used to it. it, 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 it I, I suggest give it a go if you've got the opportunity. Generally, um, any, any visually impaired runners used to running with a guide. And no matter how bad the guide, they'd rather have that than not be running. Um, so we just link arms. We literally, we link arms. We run side by side. I try and tell them we're going to turn right now. We'll watch any tree branch. Uh, I say watch any tree branches. Obviously, he can't see a thing, but he gets my gist. Um, so, yeah, we, we run a three-lap course, and he probably knows it better than anybody else now. He could tell you where to go without needing to see anything. But, yeah, I definitely suggest if if you've got the opportunity to do it, any visually impaired runner would rather be running than not. So take a punt, have a go at doing it, because you'll find it's super easy. It's super easy. 
And what about your adventuring? Have you been around and tried a few different courses? Have you done any park runs overseas? So I think I'm up to maybe 20 different park runs at this point. So my wife and I live in Sheffield, which is in the middle of the UK. My family's from the northeast of England and her family is from London. So quite often if we're visiting, we tend to um, do some tourism wherever we might be. So we've done a few in the northeast of England. We've done quite a lot in the London area. Yet to have done Bushy yet. That's on my list. So the original park run, I haven't got to yet. But my most exotic one would be um, the one in Sicily in Palermo called Uditore. So it's in Uditore Park um, in Sicily, which is just off the coast of Italy. Um, For our honeymoon, we went to uh, Naples in Italy and we sort of travelled down down the coastline of Italy, stopping off along the way. And we finished in Sicily and managed to make it to the park run. there now if you've ever been to sicily or you know what it's like in august it's hot so by 9 a.m at the start time it's this dusty park and it's nearly it's like 30 31 degrees celsius at that point so it's a hard park run and there was maybe 15 runners 10 of which were all british tourists um but it was fab it was a fab experience being out in in yeah being out in the italian in the, at the time, I think it was the only Italian park run. I think they've now got three or four, um, but that was that was um, that was our most exotic one. I'd like to go and do Copenhagen. There's a three or four in Copenhagen in Denmark that are on my list um, before thinking further afield um, of may, maybe getting to Australia. It seems like a long way for a five k, but I'm sure we could figure out doing a holiday or something at that part. But it's got to that point now, you know, I, I guess you guys are the same. Right, where are we going to go on holiday? Well, it has to have a park run, so that kind of limits our choices. We don't want to go to Japan just yet. There's no park runs up there. <laughs> I've had this conversation with my husband recently. Yeah, I, th- yeah, I think you had it last week. <laughs> I think that's it. Um, yeah, Hong Kong, it does sound like a fabulous holiday, but what are we going to do at 9 a.m. on Saturday? Oh, well, better go somewhere with the park run instead. <laughs> have you got a... Couple of favourites in amongst your British park runs. Oh, um, so in Sheffield, it's a city built on seven hills and five valleys. I think that's what it's called. So every park run here is hilly. So any park run that is flat is my favourite. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's a great one that we've done in London a couple of times. Um, what's it called i can't remember what it's called but essentially it follows the canal towpath um and it's just an out and back but it's a really nice sort of hackney marshes that's what it's called and it's a really simple course really friendly not too busy and quite a quick one so it's a good one if you want to go and have a have a go at your time um another favorite might be um druridge bay which is in Northumberland in the UK. It's the only one in Northumberland. Um, and it runs two laps around um, a reservoir. And it's just pleasant. It's very nice. It's very scenic. And they have a cafe almost like on site, which is quite unusual. Sometimes it's a bit of a wonder to the cafe. So that's a nice one. I think they're two of my favorite ones, apart from obviously my local, which is the greatest parkrun in the world, of course. Yeah, most local parkruns are 
we're picking <laughs> up on that theme from our kids. Yes. Before we let you go, is there anything about your old life that you miss? Hmm. No, not at all. I I am furious at myself for living in a beautiful city like Sheffield and having not explored all the local trails and all the local sort of areas of natural beauty because I would sit on the sofa eating crap, watching the telly instead. Now, don't get me wrong, I will still have lazy days, but looking back at what I missed out on, I don't regret making that change. I think that for me, it was running. What I, I would never say that running is for everybody, but I certainly think there's something out there for everybody to be able to make that change and become healthier and ultimately happier. That's the main thing that I found is that I'm a much, much happier person being healthy and having a, a hobby that, that I enjoy and keeps me fit than being that guy stuck indoors, way overweight, out of breath anytime I did anything. Um, yeah, so no, not at all. Being happy is good. We like being happy. Mm. George, thanks for joining us on the podcast. It's been great having a chat to one of our UK. Great. Thank you, guys. Good to talk to you. And I'm sure I'll see you out there in, in in Australia at some point. I'm sure I'll make it to a park run over there one day. Hi everybody, my name's Lyndall. I'm a parkrunner from Bunyaville, which is a trail parkrun on the northwestern suburbs of Brisbane. Brisbane's become a bit of a um, home for trail parkruns, so Bunyaville was the first one to launch a few years ago. Since then, Sirame has also launched. Um, So Bunyaville's on the northwestern suburbs of Brisbane, Sirame's on the southeastern suburbs of Brisbane. And today, you might think I'm out at White Rock, which is another trail park run launching today in the western suburbs of Brisbane. But I'm not. There's another trail run around Brisbane, and it's about an hour, an hour and a half north of Brisbane in Nambour on the Sunshine Coast hinterland. And since it launched, it's kind of taken Bunyaville's mantle as being the toughest park run going. So today I'm up here testing that theory. Is Nambour tougher or is Bunyaville? Okay, so what's your name? Ralph. And Ralph, you've done Bunyaville Park Run? Uh, twice, yeah. And so which one do you think's harder, Nambour or Bunyaville? Oh, I think the general consensus is this one's much harder. And why do you think that is? Oh, well, your run, um, you know what you're getting in the second half, of course it's out and back, whereas this one's a loop. You've got no idea, if you're doing it for your first time, you've got no idea what's uh, in front of you. Okay, so I'm here with event director Mel. Mel, what do your runners say about how Nambour compares with Bunyaville? Well, we've had a few Bunyavilles up here and they've come out and they've hit the first hill and said, oh, no, this is easy. But by the end of the run, they're like, oh, yeah, this is Bunyaville on steroids. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great description. Love it. (laughs) 
So what's my verdict? Is Nambour harder than Bunyaville? Well, I'd say they're probably about the same. There's only about 100 metres elevation difference between Nambour and Bunyaville. But what I would say is that there's more bigger hills here at Nambour. Bunyaville, we've got a lot of sort of slight uphills and slight downhills, whereas here, when you hit a hill, you know you've hit a hill. So, look, the jury's out. I'm not going to make a call as to which one's harder, but I tell you what, Scott and Mel, I've probably found my favourite non-home park run. Our roving reports are back. So thanks heaps to Lyndall Murray from Bunyaville comparing Bunyaville and Nambour. Mel, I think you need to get to Bunyaville to give us a first-hand parkrun adventurer's verdict on which is harder. It's definitely on the list. I'm actually going to save it, though, until my centre of gravity returns to uh, what it used to be when I barrelled down the hills at Nambour. So I, I don't want to be another member of the Bunyaville Stat Club when I head over. I'll get there. It's on my list. Now, there are no launches there are no secret launches this week. I'll give you a bit of the inside tip. There are absolutely no launches around the country this week. But there are a couple of anniversaries. There are indeed. We've got Dawesville in WA celebrating their second anniversary this weekend. Parramatta in New South Wales. They're doing it for the fourth time. And I'm going to get this one wrong, but I'm going to have a crack anyway. Bansdale in Victoria. You nailed it. Turning the big number one. Actually, no, we had this conversation last year. I was always going to nail that. Bensdale? Yeah. Did we? Ah, yeah, because... 12 months ago, nobody remembers. <laughs> All right, well, I won't repeat the conversation we had then. Do you have a dad joke for us this week, Scott? No, no more dad jokes. The dad jokes are done? Yep, because people are mean. Oh. I think they know who they are. Okay, I'm not going to mention any names. I'm a sensitive soul. <laughs> no, no names, no names. But geez, we've been hearing a lot from the Western Australians lately. Okay, we'll just leave it at that, shall we? Have you got a book review for me? Then last time we spoke, you were still working on um, Born to Run. Guess the theme this week. Guess that that's also a negative. No, no book review just yet. Still working on Born to Run. I was doing really well for the first week. Got through most of it, and then haven't gone back to it. See, now, I think that's also a little bit indicative of what you must have been feeling about it because I powered through that in like 24 hours. I consumed it. Mm. But I guess, you know, a lot of the time, especially with running books, you need to be in a certain frame of mind that you're looking for something to either inspire your running or to change something or you just, yeah, it needs to feed a need. Yeah, I think you're right because I've actually moved on to another book and we're going to have the author on in a couple of weeks. Ah, are you going to mention any names this time? If you want to have a look up the Landy era, I'm learning a little about the history of Australian running and one of our great runners. Okay, you want me to like Google that now? Yeah, go on. The la- I'll wait. <laughs> You'll wait? I'll entertain the, the land- listeners. The Landy era? Yeah. Is that the might- title of the book? Yeah. Or that's like an era in history? No, the name of the book is called The Landy Era, written by Len Johnson, one of Melbourne's great athletic writers. And we're going to have Len on in a couple of weeks. Found it? Awesome. Um, Yes, I have. I might have to pop down to my local library and get a copy out. Do some preparation. 
Yes. That's it for this week. Alrighty. Well, thank you very much for joining me, Scotty. Have you been inspired by George's story? I've been inspired every week when we speak to people. New people, different courses. It's it's getting a little bit um, – I need more time. There needs to be two of me so that I can go to more places and visit more park runs. Yeah, maybe I think we it's a frustration I'm going to have to live with. Maybe we should steer clear of interviewing more international guests because they just talk about these park runs that we're never going to get to. Hey, speak for yourself. I'm getting to them. Okay. I'm never going to get to. <laughs> you should never say never as well. It's very negative. I'm going to end on a positive. Happy birthday. We, we missed Russia's birthday last week. So happy birthday to our Russian friends. I don't speak any Russian. No, I don't. Dubrovnik, that's, that's Russian, right? That's a place in Russia. We've got a park run there. <laughs> it's a shame because we'd love to speak to our friends in Russia, but um, we're working on it. We need a Russian to English translator to join the pod for one week. Send your resumes in. They could join the pod every week and they could translate our podcast into Russian every week. Well, that's then good. we could be multilingual. That's a good idea. Okay, something to work on during the week. So Mel- if anyone wants to volunteer. <laughs> Hopefully you speak Russian. Don't just make it up. Yeah, not that we'll know the difference. See you, Mel. Chat to you next week, Scotty. Mm-hmm.